when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry DePoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patno, and I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Finally, Jerry did a few things, and uh, it, you know, it's been a dry off season, and we've been, you know, having to do a lot of these uh, Scott Service bullpen management podcasts, as we call them, and because of that. And uh, but now, uh, yeah, we we finally have content. Yes, we do. Um, today, we will not have to be 80-grade triers. We will have to be 50-grade triers and, I don't know, probably up to, uh, what, 30% execution? 30-grade executioners? Yeah. So, uh, we'll see if we can pull that off or not. But, yeah, like you said, the Mariners did things. Um, nothing major, I don't think. But uh, since we logged off last Thursday, I believe it was, they've added... Um, three players, two to the 40-man, and so we're going to talk about that today. We're also going to uh, jumpstart our uh, positional preview uh, that we were going to start last week, but obviously the uh, the Hanniger news and all that kind of uh, uh, pushed that back a week. So we're going to get to that, and then we're going to talk a little bit about um, what John Heyman's deal is, why Aaron Levine is a hack, and why Matt Calkins is trying desperately to be Skip Bayless and just fail so miserably, which is fun. So uh, that's how we'll wrap up the show today. But uh, like I said, they have, they've made, uh, what, three editions. So uh, let's start there. On uh, Was this Friday or Saturday? I can't remember. Um, they claim Nick Margavicious. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, yep. They claimed him off of waivers from the Padres. It was something that, that uh, we had tweeted about about a week prior to that. And uh, they made it happen. So they've claimed Margavicious. He's on the 40-man. They DFA uh, Reggie McLean as a result of that. But, uh, Ty, what do you know about Margavicious? And uh, what do you think of the move? Uh, it's really interesting. It's, um, you know, uh, some Mariner fans might be familiar with Margavicious because he did pitch against the Mariners in uh, one of those four uh, games against the Padres last year. Um He's not, you know, overpowering a, a bit of uh, it's, it, but he's a he's a smart pitcher that uh, had some success last year. Kind of fell off the face of the earth uh, towards the middle of the season. Got sent down to Double A after uh, struggling the, in in June, and uh, but came back. Was working out of the bullpen. Did okay. Um, Sorry, I'm just pulling up my notes uh, here for him. Um, but yeah, he when he went to Double A, um, he continued to struggle. He didn't really figure things out. But when he came back up and served out of the bullpen, he fared decently. Uh, gave up 
couple runs here and there and five appearances. Um, I I would assume that he's in that fifth man uh, competition with uh, Justin Dunn and I guess Wei Yan Chen, which we'll get to in a, in a second. Um, and I think there's a really good chance for him to win that battle. Uh, he's 23 years old. He's still controllable. Um, and he offers a fastball uh, it's in the high 80s. And, um, and uh, his slider logged as his best put-away pitch mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Baseball Savant, about 19% there. Uh, but honestly, his his best offering was uh, was his changeup, but he uh, rarely used it. Um, but opponents hit only point zero nine one again against it. Uh, it was really solid pitch for him. And as we've learned with the Mariners and how they have you know focused on um, certain uh, pitchers, uh, you know, less used pitches like uh, like. Uh, Brandon Brennan's changeup and Austin Adams' a slider, and they've really put an emphasis on that. I think they'll emphasize Markovic's changeup. I think it's really solid coming out. It was considered his best pitch. Um, I think it's, I think that's uh, and also his curveball. Um, his curveball is really uh, is is really something. So, um, and those two, he just doesn't really use them as much. Um, so. For me, looking at what the Mariners can do with him, I think they'll uh, they'll put an emphasis on that. But also, I, I think really it's just a, it's a solid move overall. Uh, to, again, like I said, twenty three year old guy, he's controllable. Um, yeah, I, and I think it's everything you want, and it gives you an opportunity to still tap into the music and have to force jump into this situation where he has to start it away. <clears throat> right. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, like I said, I think it's a fine move. Um, I think, you know, people look at the numbers of Mark Vicious last year and they just automatically assume he's a bum, but, uh, you do have to remember, like I said, he's 23 years old. He made the jump straight from high A ball to the major leagues. Uh, didn't pitch in double A until he was sent back down, um, in June. Uh, so yeah, it's, <laughs> there's quite a, uh, quite a, uh, difference in uh, skill level between major league hitters and uh, the high a guys but uh, you know like you said there's some there's some tools there to work with uh, he has to be uh, he has to have his command or he's gonna get lit up um, he doesn't have swing and miss stuff per se yeah um, but yeah he's you know kind of typical four pitch guy um, honestly kind of Wade LeBlancish. Um, yeah sure. and yeah. you know we, we've seen uh, soft tossing Mariner lefties, or they come to the Seattle and they they throw pretty well. It's for some reason it's a good fit here. Um, we saw it with Malone, we saw it with Wade. Um, you know, obviously uh, Markovicius is the youngest uh, that they're going to try that with. Marco's been good, um, so we'll see what they can work out there. Like you said, probably needs to throw the change up more. The curveball is not bad. Uh, the slider was productive last year. He has to find a way to get value out of the fastball. Um, Yes. Like at 88 to 90, you know, maybe 91 on occasion. With, with no real spin on it. Either. Right. It's just, it's not a useful pitch right now. So he's got to find a way. He's got, either got to add velocity, add some deception, add some spin. Um, he might be a good candidate for a cutter. Um, you know, we've seen Wade LeBlanc again. He comes to Seattle, he gets the cutter. 
and uh, it's a really effective pitch for him. Uh, Marco uses the cutter very well too, so yeah, uh, maybe that's the uh, the change there. But uh, well, and as we've seen with with this organization over the last couple of years, you know, I mentioned Brandon Brennan and Austin Adams. They have been able to find things in, in pitchers' games that they've been able to emphasize and utilize um, and, and tap into. I, I think. Uh, Marga Vicious, you know, with that change up and with the curve, which he doesn't use that much. Um, I think if they really lean into that more, he could find some success. It's just it's not going to happen with the fastball. The slider is pretty good, but it's still it's still got hit quite a bit last year. Um, I think it's really the, those um, those other two pitches in his arsenal that he really needs to, to lean into. And I think at that point. You know, and maybe it's a maybe it's an arm slot issue. Who knows? You know, you you talked about um, you know creating deception, and um, and that's really what it what's what it's going to have to come down to for him uh, to find success. But he did have some success to start the year last year. For the first few months of the season, he was pretty damn good. Right, and then the league catches up. Yeah, um, they get a better eye on him. And it's pretty much all downhill from there. Um, it's yeah, you know, it's it's a lottery ticket, I would say. Um, like you said, he's probably going to be in that number five starter competition. Um, yep. The nice thing is, is that he does have options left. You can option him down to Tacoma or uh, Arkansas um, if he's not ready out of spring training. Uh, he has that versatility. He's pitched out of the bullpen, so if you know if you need him for a couple weeks out of the pen to start the year. That's an option. Um, and, yeah, like 23, 24 years old. Seattle, I think at this stage we can say is pretty good at pitcher development, um, even including guys who have already, you know, appeared in the big leagues. Uh, you mentioned a few of them. So, you know, like it's a lottery ticket. There's not tremendous upside here. If Margovicius hits his ceiling, he's like a number four at best. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, in, in a uh, in a rebuild year where you're just kind of looking for um, parts that have some kind of upside, there's a lot worse worse uh, you know players you can make. And uh, who knows? Like I said, it's anytime the Mariners add an arm, I'm intrigued, um, and that's based purely on their player development strength, which is pitching. They're really good at it, so I'm I'm yeah. definitely intrigued. By that. Um, cool. but we'll see. All right, so uh, Margovich is fighting for the five spot. Let's talk about the other guy who has joined that race before we get to the uh, potential new closer, maybe. But uh, let's talk about the other guy who joined that race yesterday. Um, Away in Chen, uh, formerly of the Marlins. You guys might remember him better as an Oriole. Uh, left-handed pitcher. He signed a, which hasn't been officially reported yet, but it is, Greg Johns has a source saying it is a minor league deal with an invite to spring camp. Uh, for Wei Yin Chen. Um, so, Ty, uh, I'll ask you again, Wei Yin Chen on a minor league deal, what do you think? Um, it's fine. Uh, any Anyone on a minor league deal is fine. Sure. Um, and, you know, this may or may not be the veteran starting pitcher that Jerry was talking about uh, getting, but to me, uh, Chen is your Tommy Malone. Uh, for 2020, he's a guy that will be depth in the minor leagues as as long as he uh, accepts his assignment. Can, if, you know, if he doesn't uh, break camp with the team, 
Um, uh, and he's a guy that will just he'll give you solid innings throughout the year, I think. Uh, he did work out of the bullpen exclusively last year. Um, he's had elbow in, uh, issues. He had Tommy John surgery earlier on and, um, and, uh, and has had some, some elbow issues that have creeped up over the last couple of years. Um, but, uh, you know, again, going back to the bullpen thing, he, he worked out of the bullpen uh, for, let me see, 68 innings last year. Um, five, two, three, fifth. It wasn't a good year for him. Um, he was, uh, or he has been really solid against lefties, uh, throughout his career. Um, lefty hitters are hitting 246, 286, 389. So it's possible that they see him as a loogie, but considering that they cut Zach Roscup, who was, doing a decent job as a loogie last year. Right. Um, and teams are really just shifting away, giving roster spots to guys that can only face one side of the plate. And also considering the rule change that pitchers have to face three batters minimum. Now sure. uh, the loogie kind of just goes out the window. So I don't think that Wei Yan Chen is an option for them uh, in the bullpen. I think he will be uh, in that competition with Dunn and Marga Vicious and, uh, potentially uh, Kendall Graveman or um, whoever else they may bring in. Um, you know, I, uh, the reason why I bring Graveman is in case they sign Taiwan Walker, I think that Graveman would then enter competition for number five, but we'll see. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily like his chances. If I had to put money on it right now, I'd say Marga Vicious wins the battle um unless they do sign taiwan walker then i would say it's probably kendall graven right. um but uh yeah um it's fine you know again he'll probably pitch uh, a few games for the mariners this year um injuries happen things just happen um and uh i think he's able to give you solid innings i think he can be as good as Tommy Malone was last year. Yeah, you know, it's a four-pitch mix, uh, fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. Mm-hmm. And they list a sinker, but, I mean, the number of times he throws a sinker is so low, I have to wonder if that's just a misclassification. Um, but whatever is going on there, every time he throws the sinker, it gets torched. <laughs> um, he, he, according to Sackass, he threw 34 sinkers last year. Uh-huh. Batting average one thousand. Oh my god! Expected batting average nine twelve. So a little bit unlucky there. Um, slugging one point one thousand five hundred. What? Expected slugging sixteen hundred and seventeen with a nine eighty woba. What? Yeah. So so every okay. So every one of those thirty four pitches that he threw. Were hit? Uh, no. Um, Wait, I'm confused. Because you said bat- batting... Oh, right. right. On the, the ones that were actually put in play. Okay, yeah. Uh, it had Never a mind. 25% whip rate. Uh, okay. But, yeah, when, you know, it looks like... Uh, yeah, you should get rid of that pitch, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. I mean, he got uh, smashed around pretty good on that pitch. Um, but yeah, anyways, a uh, fastball 90 to 92 hits 93 on occasion slider. Um, pretty good pitch. The slider, uh, whiff rate of 25.2% last year out of the bullpen curveball whiff rate of 30%. Um, so he's got a little bit of swing and miss there on the off speed pitches. Uh, it's really going to come down to command. He doesn't throw his change up or he didn't last year throw his change up all that much, but it was a really good pitch for him. Um, you know, opponents hit, uh, 154 on the change up. So, um, yeah. with an expected slugging of 363. Yeah. So pretty good pitch. You should probably throw that more as of right now. He's only thrown it, uh, under 4% of the time. Uh, but yeah, it's mostly fastball slider curveball with Chen. And, uh, last year, as you mentioned, big struggle, but in Baltimore, he was pretty good. Um, yeah. you know, it just whips in the one twos, um, you know, giving a hundred and almost, uh, let's see, 192.2, 137, 185.2, and 191.1. It's a lot of innings he ate for Baltimore. Um, he's going to give up the home run ball. That's always a part of his game. And in an era with the juice baseball, he's an extreme fly ball pitcher. It's not a good combination there. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, he was not very good for Miami at all. Uh, but sometimes the change of scenery is good. He's 34 years old. Um, doesn't spin it real well. Uh, yeah, like you said, he, he's definitely competing for that fifth spot. Um, he does have experience out of the bullpen if that's something the Mariners want to try. Um, <clears throat> but he's definitely in there with Margovich for the, for the five. Um, and I think if it's close at all, the Mariners would probably go Margovich just because of the upside. Um, but yeah, Chin, Chin has a shot. Um, he's definitely going to be probably the highest profile uh, NRI. Uh, so in terms of, you know, veterans certainly not prospects um yeah jared kelnick's in an nri but uh mm-hmm. you get the idea so yeah if seattle can maybe work some pitch mixing here find a way to low or limit the home run ball for him a little bit there's a chance here um and like I said, if he's tommy malone then that's that's a home run of a signing because malone was pretty good last year mm-hmm. um, so we'll see what happens there but yeah way in chin He'll be one to watch uh, for that number five spot. And before we move on to uh, the reliever that they've signed, um, you know, I'm sure this is immediately the first thought that came to many people's minds. Um, Well, now that they have Chen and uh, Marga Vicious, are they still going to be interested in like Taiwan Walker? Yes. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yes, they are. Um, Whether or not they sign them, I mean, and Greg Johns has said that the interest remains. Um, so this is not just us speculating. This is what's coming from Seattle. Um, so we'll uh, see. Yeah, uh, Churchill also says that uh, the market on Walker is at least six or seven teams big right now. And mm. there may be as many as five or six more who are kind of on the periphery. Uh, waiting to see how things work out. So almost half the league is interested in Taiwan Walker. Um, so, you know, it's it's about match. It's about, uh, you know, opportunity. And uh, if that's the case, then Seattle has one of the better cases to make to Walker. Um, and it's going to be come down to money because there's going to be a bit of a bidding war. Uh, 
Seattle can definitely afford to win a bidding war on Taiwan Walker. Whether or not they want to, I don't know. Um, but they should definitely be interested. They should be interested in a few guys. Um, mm-hmm. They need to add another starter, um, even if it is a weigh-in Chen type. They still need to add a guy. Um, and I, I, I think they will. I don't know if it'll come before spring training or in the middle of it, but I think they will. Um, DePoto, you know, we've seen in the past with guys like Wade LeBlanc, uh, DePoto's not afraid to make a trade late in spring training um, or early in the regular season. So we'll see what happens there. All right, uh, let's talk about, um, I don't, I, I don't want to say the most consequential, but let's talk about uh, uh, Yoshihisa Hirano. Um, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his first name right. Uh, he assigned a one-year deal worth $1.6 million with a ton of incentives that can earn him another 900000 if I did my math correctly. Um, plus, he gets uh, $250,000 for every time he gets traded. Um, which with Jerry Depoto, who knows? Uh, but yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Hirano. That, this... that man's going to be two hundred fifty thousand dollars richer this yes, he is. July. Yes, <laughs> I, I have very little doubt about that, unless he's yeah. hurt. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, Hirano. Uh, this has been kind of we first heard the rumors about what a month ago, and then over the last few days they kind of kicked back up again, and now he's officially signed. Um, pretty much all saw this coming so we've been looking at Hirano for a while uh ty what do you think of the signing what do you think of the pitcher uh yeah i i I really like it um you know first off though i did want to talk about the um designation of of ricardo sanchez um and just get that out of the way real quick because everyone was kind of up in arms about that yesterday i think it's fine i I don't think there's any risk of of sanchez being picked up and put on another 40-man roster yeah, um, we'll see. Uh, but you know, he was really good uh, for the first half of the year last year in, in Arkansas, but then just fell off the face of the earth. It was sure. pretty rough uh, to watch. Um, so again, I don't think um, there's a huge risk of of Sanchez um, leaving. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, that would uh, put a, a pretty uh, decent dent into my rankings that I finally put together for our top 40. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, back to Hirano. Um, I think it's, I think it's really solid. Hirano has been uh, really good in his uh, first two years in, in major league baseball. He is uh, what? 35 years old. He's going to be 36 in March. Um, 404 FIP last year, uh, average, um, a little over a, a strikeout per inning, uh, 10.36 K per nine. Uh, walks are decent, um, not terrible, not great. Um, fastball, curveball. Um, what's the uh, what's the other pitch that he throws? Uh, split finger. Split finger. Yeah. And um, I think funny right there. Yeah, this the splitter is the one that he uh, throws the most, right? trying to remember off the top primarily fastball uh split and the curveball is only really every once in a while is kind of a yeah a change of pace type of thing but yeah mostly fastball splitter yeah yeah oh yeah and yeah um yeah so the splitter uh, last year was uh really damn good too uh 239 woba uh against it uh 39.6 whiff percentage that's 
really good. Really, really nice. Um, yeah, I think uh, he could be the, the Mariners' closer next year. Um, I'd like to see what Carl Edwards could do in that spot as well, and maybe Sam Tui Valala. Um, we'll see, but uh, yeah, I think this is a really, really solid move for the Mariners. There are a lot of good relievers still out there, yep. um, but um, Hirano, uh, really, really solid pickup. Uh, a guy that you could almost definitely trade in July as long as he's not hurt, as we talked about. Um, you might get something pretty decent for him, especially if he's working out of a closers role. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the closer discussion will be interesting. Um, Hirano's nice. Uh, like you mentioned, he's 36 years old now, or he will be 36 in March. Um, he played for a decade in, uh, in Japan. Um, he pitched for the, uh, Oryx blue wave which uh, you guys might remember as uh, Ichiro's old team. Um, but yeah, he pitched there for, yeah, 10 years. Uh, really solid reliever. Uh, the age uh, is nice, I think, because it figures to be a pretty young bullpen in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you just kind of want that, that veteran out there. Um, yeah, who's the second oldest guy in that group? It might be that- Edwards. Or is it Matt McGill? Is it uh, Matt McGill? It's probably McGill, but I mean McGill's not yeah. really. I mean, Matt McGill's not exactly the. Uh, He's thirty. Yeah. Okay. So, and then yeah. I think Edwards is twenty-eight. Um, yeah. Like I said, we'll see. But he's Hirano's uh, definitely the oldest. Um, hopefully, he brings a little bit of, um, you know, a presence of sorts to the uh, to the younger guys out in the bullpen. Um, he's pretty safe. You can pretty much you know, bank on what to expect from him, uh, and that's that's valuable out there. He's a guy that whether it's the ninth inning or the seventh inning, you know, um, you can kind of count on um, to be solid. And uh, sometimes that's nice because you don't have to force young guys into roles that they're not ready for. Um, you know, he kind of runs into problems sometimes um, with overthrowing the splitter and. You know, split fastball. It really, if you overthrow it, you're gonna, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna bury it before the hitter even has to recognize it as a ball or a strike. So it's just, it's a wasted pitch if you overthrow it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You mentioned the strikeouts. He's going to walk some guys, but it's not too crazy. Um, Had some problems with the home run ball last year. Seems right, a little bit. But you know, you look at the FIP. Uh, his rookie year, he had a two four four ERA. Um, mm-hmm. but you look at in a 173 ERA plus, that's really good. Uh, that's elite. And, uh, but you look at the FIP, it's 3.69. The FIP last year was 4.04. Uh, so he's, you know, the whip went up, uh, but so did the strikeouts. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, you know, you're looking at a guy whose FIP is probably going to be three, six, three, seven. Um, you know, ERA is probably going to be around three and a half. It's just a, just a solid arm. Um, I don't know if he if he's going to be the closer. I, I don't know that Seattle is actually going to name a closer, um, and we also don't know if Seattle's done adding to the bullpen. There's like you said, there's still a lot of good arms out there, um, a lot of interesting arms, and um, Seattle has a bunch of guys that you know conceivably could surprise people and make the team out of spring training. Uh, Sam Delaplane, for example, um, you know Jack Anderson maybe. 
So we'll see what happens with all that. But Hirano's maybe they should good. sign uh, one Colin McHugh. They should definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am all on board Colin McHugh. Uh, but uh, and hey, while you're at it, bring back Fernando Rodney. Anyways, so <laughs> world champion Fernando Rodney. That's right. Heck yeah. <laughs> Put him in the closer role. He'll blow four to every one time he shoots the arrow, but that's fine with me. Um, Get Logan Morrison back, too, and do the arrow with him. <laughs> Morrison signed a minor league deal. It's unfortunate. Oh, I think really? With I it? think he signed with the Phillies, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I could be wrong. But, yeah, you got you to gotta do the arrow and then Morrison. That that was fun. Yeah. That was yeah. fun. That was, uh, I, I had totally forgotten about that until um, one day I was – when I was writing about uh, Lomo leaking that stuff about the Astros, right. uh, I was looking for you know just Lomo pictures, and I saw like a picture wow, of yeah. them doing it. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that was fun. That 2014 <laughs> team really was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Hirano, it's that a good sign. Was awesome. What's that? That bullpen was awesome that year. Oh yeah, insanely awesome. That was the one with yeah. what Farquhar, uh, Danny Farquhar, yeah. and. Uh, Wilhelmson, Furbush. Furbush, yeah. They, they had the... Uh, uh, Lucas Lucky. Right. They had the Spartan helmets out there, I think. Yeah, the Spartan helmets, and yeah. Major League uh, Baseball told them to take it down. Jorvis yeah, Medina. Just a crazy bullpen that shouldn't have been yeah. good at all. That yeah. was. Yeah. It was like the second or third best bullpen in baseball. Yeah, it was the second best bullpen next to uh, the Royals. It's insane, man. Yeah. The Royals, that was when they were running out, what, Wade Davis and... Uh, yeah, they went to the World Greg Series Holland. that year. Yeah. Nope. That's insane, man. That just goes to show you, anybody who says they can tell you what's going to happen with the bullpen, they're full of it. Um, I, 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 leg- I, I legitimately think that they, and, and that one game playoff, I mean, with how close the, the Athletics played the Royals, I don't know. Could have happened. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, man. You never know. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, one, day I, one day I want to dive into a what if for that year. <laughs> no, but, 2014. Yeah, 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 but for another time, <laughs> for another time, but yeah. So Hirano, uh, solid signing, nothing spectacular. Could be the closer, could not, um, but he is most definitely uh, a candidate to fill that Hunter Strickland role. Um, and we saw Hunter Strickland get traded despite only pitching in four games. Um, yeah, that was that, weird, and that, that got them Aaron Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, a really good prospect, uh, a really good relief prospect in Aaron Fletcher. So. Um, just insane, man. That that's the price of relievers at the deadline, man. It really is insane. <clears throat> but yeah, Hirano good. Wei Yin Chen, fine. Marga Vicious, smart. Is that a good characteristic there? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, that's the uh, those are kind of the additions we've had here. Um, we have a couple guys who are going to fight for the number five spot, and we have somebody who is a potential closer. Um, slash veteran presence uh in the in what's supposed to be a young bullpen so we'll see how all that works out but uh now let's go ahead let's let's begin our uh, our series uh position previews as we enter spring training we are what 13 days away from pitchers and catchers reporting mm-hmm. hallelujah so um let's go ahead and let's let's talk about um i guess we'll start with the the backstops the catchers right for the seattle mariners um Obviously, last year, Omar Narvaez did a lot of the heavy lifting in the early parts of the season. Um, he's been traded, and the second-half star from last year, Tom Murphy is expected to be the uh, the everyday guy going forward. 
um, with Arsenal as the backup. So, Ty, let's just start here. Um, how do you feel about the Mariners' catching situation heading into 2020? It's going to be a hell of a lot better defensively. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think this is the best uh, situation for uh, many reasons. Uh, I mean, do you think about, you know, Logan Gilbert and Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield and all these young guys that are going to be up and, and pitching, and they they didn't need to be working with with Elmer and Arvaez. Uh, just it, it needs to be Tom Murphy. Austin Nola is, is fine defensively. You know, we haven't been able to see a whole lot of him catching as a Mariner. Uh, but from what I saw and what I have heard from, you know, his, his time catching in the minors, he's solid. Uh, and he, he's definitely a lot better than where Omar Narvaez was last year. And that's not to, to put a knock on, on what Narvaez did and the, in the, um, and the improvements that he did make, but he just right. he still was pretty pretty rough to watch last year. Also, kind of sounds like Norvias really didn't have any interest in uh, mentoring a young pitching staff, and mm-hmm. uh, you know if that's the case, then uh, bon voyage, like mm. yeah. it's a pretty easy call. But yeah, yeah. So, um, really, with with the catching unit now, I think it's I think it's the best possible situation for the for the young pitchers. Um, and I think this is, uh, it's still a really potent offensive duo. Um, could be. It, I, 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 yeah, it could be, um, I, I, you know, obviously I don't think it's going to be nearly as good as, as what Murphy and Narvaez did last year, but I also don't think that it's going to be, um, a waste of a spot in the lineup, uh, with either guy, uh, Nola really showed some good bat skills last, uh, last year. Uh, and Murphy, you know, showed that power. He, you know, finally got an opportunity to play fairly often, uh, especially towards the end of the year when they were putting Narvaez and Murphy both in the lineup at, at the same time. Um, and I thought, you know, you really saw Murphy flourish towards the uh, towards the end of the year there. You know, he finished with, what, 18 home runs? Yep. Um, 281 he, plate appearances. Yeah. Uh, Basically slash, a half season. Slash 273, 324, 535. That's going to play. And even if that dips a bit, that's still significantly better than where the Mariners were, um, you know, these last couple years before Narvaez and Murphy came to the team with, uh, you know, in the years that Mike Zanino was struggling and they really didn't have a whole lot behind him. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's still one of the strongest groups, position groups on the team. Um, defensively, I, I think it's going to be pretty pretty damn good, even just for yeah. for Murphy. Right. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I'm looking at an old scouting report from 2018 that gives Murphy's defense a 40 grade on the 2080 scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at the very worst, it's 55, um, probably closer to 60. Um, he's a good defensive catcher. Um, I He's probably not quite as good as Mike Zanino, but he's pretty darn close. Um, Let's see where he was in the rankings last year. He had he was the tenth overall rated catcher defensively by Fangraphs standards. He had a twelve point five defensive war. Mike Zanino had twelve point seven. He was yeah. number nine on the list, so they were about the same. Last yeah, year. you know Zanino and uh, Murphy didn't play a full season. 
either. So uh, Murphy only played 76 games. Um, Zanino played 90. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know Zanino had actually played that much. Um, so, yeah, it's they're about the same uh, defensively. I'd still give a slight edge to Zanino. Zanino I think he throws better uh, than Murphy does. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Murphy has a chance, at least, to hit for some average. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I think it's fair to expect a... Uh, a return to norms in terms of batting average um, <clears throat> for Murphy, 273 with a 31% strikeout rate. Eh, that doesn't seem sustainable to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Murphy hits the ball hard. Um, the yeah. power looks absolutely legit, um, especially if they're going to keep using that juice baseball. Uh, I would expect, you know, 20, 25 home runs from Murphy in 110, 120 games or so. Um, you know, the slugging should be fine. We know the defense is going to be good. Um, I think he's, you know, Steamer projects him at 217, 270, 406, uh, with 19 home runs in twice, almost, or sorry, in 465 plate appearances. I think that's a bit low. Um, I think the on base percentage is pretty damn low. I mean, career 301 at the big leagues, but that is scattered over. Yeah, but like four partial seasons and then one half season. So yeah, I just I mean he does he does walk a, a little bit like a little but a little you know seven percent less than seven percent yeah so I mean yeah. it's not he's definitely up there hacking but um, yeah oh man he's a good athlete good swing good pop he's strong he's smart um, I think he's gonna be just fine and you know for the steamer still has him as one point six f four. Um, which is kind of weird because he was 3.2 last year. And they're projecting 180 more plate appearances, and they say he's going to be half as valuable. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think, still, def- I think defensively alone he will be a two-win player. Yeah, he's pretty close to that. Um, yeah. I mean, Zanino put up some pretty bad years offensively with some really good war. Um, and catcher defense plays a lot in the war. At least yeah. in the F war. So, I mean, like Austin Hedges, I think last year was three win player or something like that. Let me look right. it up. In 2018, Mike Zanino appeared in 113 games for the Mariners. He hit. Oh, he was only 1.4 last year. Never mind. Ignore oh. me. <laughs> I always do. Anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, Zanino in, uh, in 2018, he hit 201, 259, 410 uh, with an 83 WRC plus. 20 home runs in 113 games. He was still worth uh, 2.1 war because uh-huh. his defense was so good. Yeah. So, yeah. I, Tom Murphy's defense is pretty much a lot. I mean, you can write it in pen. You know it's going to be good. Um, and he's really good at working with these young guys, which is exactly what the Mariners are looking for. So, um, there we go. So, Tom yeah. Murphy, I think, is going to be – I think he's at least a two-win player um, at the end of the year. I kind of expecting 240, you know, maybe 300, 450, something like that. Um, I think the slugging is there to stay. Uh, he's, he's such a strong guy. And uh, we, we don't know exactly what kind of baseball they're going to use yet, which is annoying. Um, they know. Or I hope they know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, the power's legit. So I don't have too much of an issue with Murphy. Um, <clears throat> is he... 
Is there a possibility? He turns 29 on April 3rd, by the way. Let me uh-huh. ask you, do you think there's a possibility that Tom Murphy is the next starting catch is the starting catcher on the next winning Mariners team? If 2020 goes well. Yeah, if he repeats if he, Yeah, if he repeats or like comes close is a to li- yeah, comes close to what he did last year. Yeah, I think at that point he's he's controllable. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I mean, unless teams call them in July and they're definitely a possibility, yeah. Offering a lot for him. He's got four years of club control. Uh, but I think if he if he's that good, if he's as good as he was last year in a 162-game season, mm-hmm. you have to get a, I would assume, a blue-chip piece back to trade him. I mean, yeah, catching is so rare. If he yeah. repeats what he did last year, or come, let's say he does 80% of what he did last year, and he plays 120 games, and you know, defensively, he's as good as he was. Um, I think, honestly, the starting point for that for a 29 year old catcher who at that point has three and a half years of club control, um, I think we're talking the starting point is Mitch Haniger level. Like, uh-huh. I mean, that's how rare it is to have a catcher who can hit um, or to have a catcher who can field. <laughs> he might be the most. This is pretty hot takey, but he might be the most valuable player on this roster right now. I Especially mean, if he can if he can do what he did last year. You mean like in terms of like trade value or just like Oh overall, he might he he might okay. be the best player on the team. I could see him leading the team in war. I don't have yeah, I yeah. see that. Um it, you know, it depends on how healthy Hanniger is, I think. Um Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know. And depending on, you know, maybe one of these young guys. You know, yeah, sure. maybe Kyle, maybe Kyle Lewis picks up where he left off in in September and cuts down on the strikeouts. And, you know, who knows? Me but yeah, JP Crawford breakout season or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shed Long, yeah. Shed Long could have a really good year. So I don't know why we're not mentioning my boy D Gordon, but uh, sure, no, yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about D Gordon, sure. Um, but anyways, yeah. So or or Cornelius. <laughs> Ah, Cornelius. I, yes. I, I honestly keep forgetting that he's still on the team. <laughs> I do too a little bit, um, which is sad. But we'll, we'll get to him next. I, we'll probably throw him into the first base discussion. Why not? Um, so we'll probably... <laughs> I mean, where else are we going to talk about him, Ty? Certainly not in the outfield. So. DH preview. <laughs> I mean, I know that's, but he's if he plays in the field, it's going to be at first base. Although yeah, I'm yeah. still mad they never put him in center field for an in- inning. Well, the worst he should have pitched. I know. Pitched. I know. <clears throat> we'll have to get on the on the horn there and uh, try and up that campaign. Well, um, now but, that Tom Murphy is like the starting catcher, he can't be their uh, their pitcher for blowout. Right. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, D Gordon, baby. But uh, <laughs> got to get something out of him. But uh, yeah, no. So uh, you feel pretty good about Tom Murphy as the catch everyday catcher. Let's talk about uh, Austin Nola. Um, Austin is the backup last year got to see him, you know, pretty sizable sample here. 270 almost plate appearances, uh, hit 269, 342, 454, 114 WRC plus 10 home runs, um, an 8.6% walk rate, 23.6% K rate. Those are both fine. Um, 
you know, he moved around quite a bit. Didn't get to see him a lot of catcher, but he still had a pretty neutral uh, defensive score at negative 0.1. Only caught 38 innings last year, so we don't have a huge sample there. But what do you think about Austin Nola in 2020? Is that, is you know, is he a... You know, is he basically a carriage that's going to turn into a pumpkin, or is he a a legit, usable big league piece? Uh, God, I guess we'll find out because uh, you know yeah. everything that we saw last year though was was really really solid. Austin Nola is just one of those guys that you see, and he's not flashy, and he doesn't do anything really particularly uh, great. But he is just a solid big leaguer. You see that guy, and you you think you know that that's a that's a solid piece to have on my roster. Yep. Um, you know, for a while there, he was the Mariners' most consistent hitter during the summer. <laughs> yeah, he was hitting three forty or something like that in the summer. You know, things kind of kind of went downhill as, you know, as we got later on into the season, but he. He hit in the three spot for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and he earned it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we have nobody else. He legitimately was really good. Yeah. And he was, and he showed power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just like he was getting on base, which he was doing really well, too. He, you know, walked nearly 9% of the time. Uh, didn't strike out too too bad, uh, 23.5% mm-hmm. last year. It's not terrible. You can work with that. 114 WRC plus. I mean, and and given the uh, the idea that he, or given the fact that he can uh, play multiple positions, he can play a corner outfield spot, he can play second base, he can play first, he can play um, anywhere in the infield and play catcher and uh, not kill you. It's a really solid player, and you know, offensively, if things keep, you know, if he can keep hitting. And Tom Murphy can keep hitting. They can get them both into the lineup. There is no issue with that. Um, and they can do that rather consistently. So, I, yeah, I'm really excited to see what, what Austin Nola can do. He, he's, uh, he's one of the guys that I'm really going to be watching this year. Because I think if, if he can repeat or come close to what he did last year, this is a guy that's just come out of nowhere, and he might be, you know, because he's he was a rookie last year, so he's controllable. You know, he is turning th- or he is thirty now, but yeah. I mean, this is a guy that you could carry for a while, and he can give you a lot of value in a lot of different spots. Yeah, you know, um, sometimes you see these late these guys in their late twenties, early thirties, kind of break out. And uh, by the way, fun little fact here. Uh, Austin Nola took the mo- uh, most of his uh, plate appearances as the number three hitter in a major league lineup last year. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. If that says more about the Mariners in general or how good Nola was for long stretches last year. But no, yeah, the guy's versatile. Like you said, he can play five or six different positions. And he's got some pop. Um, he's actually got, uh, you know, one of the faster catchers. He actually 56 percentile in sprint speed. So he's only you know, technically speaking, slightly above average in terms of speed, but um, and he's a good base runner too. Yep, smart base runner. You know, it's just it's it's cliche and it's annoying to say it like this, but you know, I mean, sometimes it's just the easiest way to describe somebody. He's he's a ball player, man. He's, yep, yep. 
just going to find a way to help you win every time. Or every time he's out there, he's going to do something to help you. Whether it's defensively, he's going to take a walk and you know cut the bases well and score from first base on a double. Um, just a good player, man. I, I, I'm really interested to see him. I hope he's legit. I know that the uh, you know the exit velos and the barrel percentage and the launch angles they all show that he was really lucky last year. Um, but I don't know, man. He pretty good for basically half a season. Um, so. We'll see how all that works out for him. But, you know, as a backup catcher um, who can also play first, second, third, short, pretty much everywhere but center field. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, I think, you know, if you had to use him for two innings in center field, he wouldn't kill you. He'd catch a ball hit to him. Um, it's a really valuable player, even if the bat is not quite as good as it was last year. So we'll see how it works out for Nola, but I'm really excited to watch him. He's going to be one of the guys I'm. I'm most interested to watch uh, just because I want to see if it's for real. And I hope it is because uh, that's, that's fun, man. That's a fun player. So um, I, do we, do we want to talk about any of the, the third guys? Uh, does anybody stand out? I know you're somewhat interested in O'Keefe. Um, yeah. I mean, but I don't think there's any question of, uh, anyone really breaking through here, unless oh, you know Nola or yeah, unless someone gets hurt. So um, Joe yeah, Hudson is kind of the other guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, at some point we might see Cal Raleigh this year. Um, maybe, so maybe, maybe he's got know. some. He's got a ways to go, though. I mean, yeah. I don't. Know, yeah, I feel if, like... he, if he if he figures things out, you know, if he, sure. I mean, he figured things out, you know, in Modesto last year. After after struggling a little bit and then struggled in Double A, so maybe that there'll be a repeat of that. I mean, um, yeah, even defensively, yeah. But yeah, no, it's going to be guys like Joe Hudson and Brian O'Keefe. There's an injury early, um, but yeah, the next. I mean, not next up on the depth chart because obviously that's Hudson or O'Keefe, um, but you know, kind of the next impactful catcher on the depth chart is probably going to be Cal Raleigh, and I would like to not see him this year unless he's given the Mariners no choice with his performance. So, um, but yeah, it's just not a lot of depth there. Um, you know, but last year the Mariners did, you know, they signed Austin Nola, uh, to basically be the triple a catcher and, um, well, they may have found a diamond in the rough. So, um, worth remembering the names, Joe Hudson and Brian O'Keefe. So, um, yeah. keep those in mind if there's an injury, uh, and you'll probably get to see a few of them. Uh, you probably get to see those guys get a few at-bats in spring training. Um, you'll get to see them work a couple innings behind the dish. So just something to keep in mind. Watch those two guys um, as well. Uh, before we uh, move on to our final segment here, I did want to mention um, that Reggie McClain has been claimed off of waivers by the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, so he is no longer in the Mariners organization. A bit of a surprise. Um, you know, McClain's 27 years old. Wasn't too great last year with the Mariners. The Phillies are going to carry him on their 40-man roster. I just... Okay, I mean... Eh, it's not a big loss. It's, uh, yeah. it's a bit of a bummer. He, he did seem to be a fun uh, personality. But uh, anyways, uh, so Reggie McClain is no longer on, in the Mariners organization. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's, uh, let's wrap up our show by... Um, I don't know if we should name the segment or something, but uh, 
Let's talk about some of the biggest hacks. In, who's, a, uh, who's a bigger dumbass? That's what it's called. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so you want to start with uh, our usual punching bag, John Heyman. Would you like to do um, somebody we don't ever talk about because he rarely says anything worth talking about? Aaron Levine, or do you just want to blow through Matt Calkins being a fake Skip Bayless who's not even good at being fake Skip Bayless? Uh, Dealer's choice. I don't. Actually, I, don't actually, do I guess that. I'm the dealer. Yeah, yeah. You, you honestly, you pick. Yeah, yeah. Right, dealer's choice. About, yeah. Let's talk about Calkins here. Um, yeah. Just because I think he's probably going to be the quickest guy that, that we talk about here. Um, mm. Calkins writes an article. He writes a lot of them, um, and they're all pretty hot takey, and they're all pretty mediocre at best. Um, he comes out with an article a few days ago. Uh, basically saying that the Mariners lacks any star power because Felix Hernandez is no longer on the roster. And <laughs> that is somehow a problem. Um, <laughs> I don't want to sound critical here, but the last three years, Felix Hernandez has been a star in the same way that Billy Ray Cyrus is a star. He used to be popular. Now he sucks. Yeah. I mean, not to be critical, but did the Mariners have a star last year? Look, I had a better season last year than Felix Hernandez I, did. I mean, <laughs> I I would have been worth. I was worth more. I was worth more war to the Mariners than Felix Hernandez was last year. So I just, <laughs> I said, and that's the problem I have with this is that it's not that he's saying like any normal person. Hey, you know what? The Mariners may miss Felix. He wasn't very good, but. He was entertaining the King's Court. There was some buzz when he pitched. Like, okay, that's fine. I could buy that. But to sit here and be like, oh, well, the Mariners don't have any stars this year. That's going to be an issue. No, it's not. They're rebuilding. Who cares if they have a star? Like, you really feel better if they went out and they signed Rendon and they win 72 games instead of, 70, instead of what, 68? Really? That's going to make you feel better. Get a clue, man. And then he... I, I know he, he pokes fun at Tom Murphy saying basically he looks like a guy who works in a mechanic shop and that you wouldn't be able to recognize him if you ran into him on the street. Who the hell cares? Like, why does that matter at all? Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. It's, it's the kind of articles like this that come out. And honestly, we could throw, we could throw somebody who went the complete opposite direction and Jim Moore under the bus too. You know, saying that, oh, he's rooting against Felix because he didn't pitch well the last few years. Are you high? <laughs> How can you root against Felix? Like, look, there's been no bigger critic of Felix Hernandez over the last two or three years in this podcast. Yep. You go further than most Mariner fans will ever dream of going and criticizing Felix Hernandez. I hope he makes the opening day roster. I hope he pitches well. I hope he goes to the playoffs and he can finally throw a playoff game with Atlanta be a little awkward but why would you wish him ill will yeah. like i don't know man it just those guys jim moore is like the perfect coog really he is um and matt calkins is failing to be a hot take guy uh which is really hard to do but you know kudos to calkins he figures out how to do it um Yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty dumb. It's just stupid. 
But, yeah. you know, it may be stupid, but it's not... Uh, I don't want to say ill-informed because it is, but anyways, Calkins is really small potatoes uh, this week. Um, if this was any other week, we'd probably be talking about him for 20 minutes, but our good buddy John Heyman decided to chime in once again, and um, so did uh, Aaron Levine, um, who's a local sports news guy, so, you know, his opinion carries a lot of weight. Um Let's let's talk about let's talk about uh, Levine real fast here, and then we'll we'll end up on our, our favorite punching bag, John Heyman. So uh, Ty, you saw correct the uh, the series of tweets, including the two splice videos. Um, you uh-huh. saw all that, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I'm familiar now. So let me ask you this here: um, In what universe did Jerry Depoto promise Mariner fans that they were going to be a playoff contender in 2020? Uh, an Aaron Levine's universe. Colby. And only Aaron Levine's universe. Yeah. Like, yeah. are you kidding and, me? Well, and in the universe of some fans on Twitter. Fans, quote-unquote. Yeah, sure. I Here's the deal. Like, DePoto's, you know, almost direct quote is, is we anticipate being a very interesting team in the second half of 2020. Heading into the winter. And then Levine splices that next to a quote from this year's press conference where Jerry says, uh, we don't anticipate being a playoff team in 2020. And basically, in more words, calls Jerry DePoto a liar um, because they're not trying to compete in 2020. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Like, Yep. How how do you draw that conclusion? It's just pretty bad. Aaron Levine is a guy who's really sad that he never broke out onto a national level. He's stuck in Seattle. He's a news he's a sports news director. So you know what? He's got an axe to grind against the Mariners. And so he's gonna go out there and he's gonna basically throw this BS out into the world to rile up a very vulnerable fan base and call Jerry DePoto a liar. Without any context for his comments, without anything, and just kind of throw that out there, You're like, oh look, there's more lip service. Screw you, man! Like seriously, if you're not, if 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 it's someone in the Seattle media that's not close to the team and doesn't and isn't really involved with the team, and they're more so involved with the Seahawks, and they want to share their baseball takes, just ignore them. They're all bad. They're all bad. Whether you go to the people from 710 that mainly cover the Seahawks and just yep. talk about the Mariners every now and then. If you go to any of the publications, especially, you know, especially Fox with, with Aaron Levine. Aaron Levine's a football guy. He yeah. talk, Not he, a very he, good one either. Yeah. You know, he, he interviews Seahawks players and stuff like that. You don't see him in the clubhouse. Nope. You don't see him at T-Mobile Park ever. Uh, the problem with hack. the the problem with Seattle sports media in general is that um, they all look at uh, at the at the Mariners as the stepchild, yep. and they just want to poke fun at the Mariners. 
because they know that it's going to get clicks and they know that a lot of fan, you know, a lot of casual fans, the fans that are predominantly Seahawks fans, that's going to get them all riled up and it's going to, and they're all going to agree with him and all that. Right. Um, just want something to be mad at. And yeah. because Jerry DePoto is doing a good job with the rebuild and doing what people, I don't know, most Mariners fans have been clamoring for for the last five, six, seven years. He's the problem with the problem with baseball in general, and especially with the Mariners fan base, this this is very much exemplified with the Mariners fan base, is that not enough people care to really know what's going on with their team. Um, people don't. Most people don't care about prospects. They They're don't not care. Interested in nuance. They don't care about process. They don't care about anything like that. They just want to go to their ballpark, have a good time, and have they a winning wanted, team every year, year in and year out. They want it to be cool to be a Mariners fan, basically. And, and, they, <laughs> uh, they look they don't even know what's going on in the front office. You know, this is the that that's where this whole same old Mariners thing comes from. Because I bet you more than half of the Mariners fan base doesn't even know that the team was sold. Yeah. Recently, that the entire front office is completely different from the Zarenzic era. Yep. They probably didn't even most people probably didn't even know who Jack Zarenzic was. Or Jerry DePoto. Well, I can tell you most people don't know how to spell DePoto. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's another guys, thing. The, the people that capitalize here, the P. Yeah. yeah. Guy's been here, what, five years now? Yep. And it look, I'm all for, you know, sometimes, you know, autocorrect. Or, you know, if you typed it for a while a certain way, and then you, oh, that's not right. I'll change it. But, you know, like, I, I don't want typos to be like the... Like, I hate it when, like, you tweet something and there's a typo in it, and then instead of focusing on the content of the tweet, they focus on the the typo. And you're like, do you not, like... like that, that's Look, really stupid to me. But it's like, if you're going to bash Jerry DePoto without any information, you can at least learn how to spell his name. Look, if you're not Joe Doyle or Ryan Divish or San- Shannon Dreyer or, you know, anyone from Lookout Landing, or us, or et cetera, you don't, Jason you want to change Jason Churchill, Steve and a few, yeah, a few other people, um, you don't, they don't know what's, like, uh, other than that, people in the Seattle sports media do not know what's going on with the Mariners, they just don't. Uh, Jim Moore does not, barely knows anything about football, he knows this is where you're going to use the bleeps. I'm sorry, but I, I just I can't say it without cussing. J- Jim Moore doesn't know about baseball. Okay, that guy should never open his mouth about this sport ever again. Uh, same goes for Aaron Levine. Same goes for pretty much every Seattle sports journalist that is not Ryan Divish or or Jason Churchill or Shannon Dreyer. Etc. 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 You you know who knows what they're talking about. It's very easy to find who knows what they're talking about, and it's very few and far between. Right. And, and, unfortunately, unfortunately, and 
the worst part of this is when they eventually, I, I do feel very confident that the Mariners will at least be a respectable team in the next couple of years. When that happens, all these people are going to come out of the woodwork. Everyone's going to be covering the Mariners. Mm-hmm. You it- know, and that's, and that's the unfortunate part is because, you know, and, and, it, and it frustrates me as, as uh, you know, just thinking about the possibility of that because, you know, Colby and I have been telling everyone for the longest time that, like, there is a process here, you know, and it's good process. You know, we don't know if it's actually going to work, you know, because just things happen. But the process is, is sound. Yep. And then... You know, you got all these people, you know, throwing out that, oh, they've been rebuilding for 18 years, which is untrue. Uh, <laughs> they haven't like, been for the last 30 years until yeah. last winter. <laughs> you know, uh, people saying that there's no plan or that they don't get it. You know, they don't understand why they're trading all their good players, you know, acting like they're not getting anything of value in return. Because prospects don't exist. These players just, you know, teams just pull these players out of their ass. Right. Like, come on. Come on, dude. Like, what are we doing here? Right. The, Mar- the Mariners have two of, uh, of the uh, sport's best prospects. Mm-hmm. And they're close. Yeah. I mean, and Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick could be the next, like, great duo in baseball. It really like that's what that's where we're at, and Logan Gilbert might be a high end number two, possibly an ace. Yeah, like <clears throat> right, and all those guys you mentioned are going to be in the big leagues within eighteen months. Yeah. And the only reason that's it's eighteen e- months is because it's Julio. We're just waiting and, for Julio. <laughs> and that's not even to mention Evan White, yep. Shed Long, Kyle Lewis, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even guys that you know haven't really uh, done a whole lot in professional baseball yet. Sam Carlson, who's now working his way back from Tommy John, he's going to pitch this year, and he was one of the best pitching prospects in his draft, and the Mariners were very fortunate to be able to to draft and sign him. And then Brandon Williamson, George Kirby, you know, that's another thing is they have ammunition, too, to go out and get whoever they want. Yeah. You know, once once payroll. they figure once they figure this thing out, they have payroll. Uh, you know, and they have a really it's going to get better with you know with the draft. They got four picks within the top one hundred. They're going to sign Starlin Aguilar in uh, in the international free agency period. He's going to be one of their top prospects immediately. Just at sixteen years old, uh, they have no LV Marte. You know, even once, and I wrote about this on the site uh, in an article that's basically about where the farm will be six months from now. Even when guys like Jared Kelnick and Evan White, et cetera, graduate their prospects, Justin Dunn, Justice Sheffield, you know, and that's all going to happen fairly early on here. Even when five of your top 10 prospects go out, they're going to be able to replenish that. Nelvi Barté by this time next year might be where Julio Rodriguez is now. Yeah, and that. So you know, and once Julio graduates, Nelvi Barté and George Kirby and whoever they draft in this year's draft, 
that's probably going to be your top three prospects. And they're probably all going to be really highly regarded in baseball. Mm-hmm. And you don't think that they can go out and get an ace with that? Yep. Exactly. So they're fine. <laughs> you know, it, it, next year we could be talking about them signing Francisco Lindor. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good chance this winter we're talking about them, or next winter, I should say. You know, we're talking about them signing, I don't know, Trevor Bauer and yep. James Paxton or Nelson Cruz or, you know, they're going to start making moves. Um, you know, and that's part of the problem I have with Levine is in the context of DePoto in that 20, this year's interview, he says, you know, we, we think of ourselves, we look a lot like what the White Sox did. I think we're at that same spot where the White Sox entered this season. What did the White Sox do this season? Well, they weren't a very good team, but they had some young players break out, quite a few of them. Uh, is like one of the best players in baseball now. Right. And I mean, you start talking about the Lucas Giolito finally breaking out, yep. uh, Tim Anderson finally breaking out, um, you know, and then of course the big Eloy Jimenez, the rookie, he comes up and he's pretty good. And then they have these four guys in the minor leagues who are all really solid, um, you know, and they go out this off season and they add Yasmani Grandal. Uh, they add uh, Dallas Keuchel, um, they go out and they start supplementing that team, and all of a sudden, the White Sox, probably still a year away from really you, being true, you know. You know who else they got? Who? Nomar Mazzara. Uh, yes, <laughs> shame on me for forgetting Nomar Mazzara. Um, but yeah, no, if DePoto says the, the Mariners are similar to the White Sox. That means they're going to be active this winter. Um, I don't know if it's going to be free agency or trade, but they're going to do it. And I, I think the thing that makes me the most and they're probably going to be active before then they're probably going to be in july they're probably going to do what the reds did they're probably going to go out and get Mm -hmm. you know the the reds the reds got trevor bauer last year and some more casual people that watch baseball didn't have any idea what was going on but we understood that that it's about taking advantage it doesn't matter what time of the year and it really doesn't matter what uh, where you're at in that particular season. Teams are not thinking like that anymore. Teams are not thinking as as uh, linear as as some in the in the media do. You know, it's it's not just about that season. You know, the teams Reds are again they're off season in July. Yeah. And the Mariners are in a good position to do the exact same. So we'll see what they do. Um I, I guess I would just say the thing that bugs me the most about Levine is that he tries to paint DePoto as a untrustworthy guy, as a guy who lies and he tells you these falsehoods. It's like Jerry DePoto is the most open GM in baseball. It's not close. Yeah. He has his own the podcast. His, yeah, he yeah. has his own podcast. <laughs> I mean, he tells you, hey, this is going to be a quiet off season. Guess what? It's a quiet off season. Hey, you know, we're in the market for starting pitching. And, you know, reliever, we think we're going to get those done in the next couple of days. They get done in the next couple of days. Hey, this is what we're looking to do at the deadline. We're willing to eat money. He trades guys and he eats money. It's like, what? Yeah. What is Jerry DePoto been dishonest about? And here's the deal yeah. is that as a GM, you have to be a little bit dishonest because you can't just lay your entire plan out there yeah. for the other because you're still competing against 29 other people or 29 other teams. But he's been more transparent than you could ever hope for. And especially when you compare him to Jack Sorensic, who wouldn't tell you anything. Um, DePoto is open. He's honest. He delegates. He's smart. Um, he's willing to take risk. And those are all things that come up huge in in a G, in a GM of a rebuilding team. 
And Levine's just clipping two 10-second clips and trying to say, okay, well, see, this guy's a liar. He's a bum. Shut up, Aaron. I'm sorry that this doesn't fit into your you know 30 seconds that you get on TV every night. So you have to find a way to make it. But baseball is a lot more nuanced than that. Rebuilds are a lot more nuanced than that. And you have to be willing to look at both sides of things. I understand why Mariners fans are frustrated. I can empathize with that. I am too. But to sit here and pretend that they're just sitting on their hands and doing nothing about it, yeah. it's a lie. It's yeah. a straight-up lie. And anybody yeah, who tries you, to tell you otherwise is fabricating. Yeah, they're, you, they're you, yeah, yeah. Um, again, it's pretty easy to weed out who knows what's what and who doesn't. If anyone it, says the term that the Mariners have been rebuilding for more than the last year, yeah, you throw them out of the window. Much, they yeah. spelled Depoto with a capital P out of here. Uh, <laughs> like there, there are many common mistakes that not only casual fans make, but the media makes, particularly and Seattle media. And our good buddy John Heyman. And we're going to get to that. Let's get to work. it. Let's get to it now. All right, um, fine. So, hey, man, just, of course, it's been a while since he's attacked the Mariners. So why not, why <sighs> yeah. not help himself here? He respond. he quote tweets an article from The Onion. <laughs> which That's the worst part. I know. It's the, on- by the way, The Onion is hysterical. Yeah, like, and, I, the, and the article that they wrote is hysterical, too. It's, it's a really fun publication. But when you're quote tweeting that to try and prove a point about anything, you're an idiot. So the, the article basically is Mariners demand Astros two World Series or what the Astros World Series win be vacated and give it to them. And yeah. Heyman, of course, chimes in with, "Well, it'd be a lot easier than signing good players." Oh. And it's like, oh it's my god, completely unwarranted. It's out of left field. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And again, it's a satirical article, and you're commenting on it like it's going to make you smart. Dude, I have never seen someone that's, go after. That's not even. That's not a, even all of it, though. Yeah. Because in the Mariners, they have a. They're looking to hire a scout, and they put out the the you know the news to the world. Hey, come apply. We'll see what happens. And Heyman goes out and says, well, with all the hundreds of already established scouts that are out there, why wouldn't you just hire one of them? And finally, the Mariners, you know, they clap back, you know, maybe we will, John, maybe we will. But, like, you're you're pointing out these things, John Heyman, that are absolutely irrelevant. They, They don't need to be talked about, especially by you. And you're just throwing the Mariners under the bus at every opportunity you can. Why? Why? Okay, so why does he care so much? Like, what have the Mariners done to him? Because this clearly now seems like someone that has a personal vendetta against this team. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious at this point. And I I know Lookout Landing thinks they've zeroed in on it. um, Because you guys remember in July or whatever, Carson Vital, who is now the uh, uh, field coordinator for the Major League team, he was the interim manager in uh, Everett, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And he has a ferocious beard. And Heyman got on his high horse and basically the Yankees would never allow this. And basically, I guess it's Lookout Landing's theory that that's what started his hatred for the Mariners. And it's like, and if that's it, 
Like, if seriously, if that's it, John Heyman. Was that before he did the plan thing? I thought that was after he did. No, the I plan think it was thing. just before. I think it was just before. But either yeah. way, it's just. Why would that piss him off so much? <laughs> because he's a tool. Like, I yeah, I shouldn't call him a tool. Tools have use; they're valuable. Um, Heyman, he's a hack. There's no way around it. He's probably tired of getting scooped by you know the five or six real reporters who break stories. But hey, it's okay, John. You keep breaking those minor league signings. You're the king of those, so good for you. It's yeah, just, he, bro- he broke the Wei Yan Chen news. <laughs> I mean, you know, that was, a, asked, that, that was the first time I've ever seen him be like pretty quick on something. Yeah, that's like, you know, Passan and Rosenthal and Morosi and Feinstein, Feinstein and uh, Joel Sherman. Those guys are good. You can trust yeah. them. Heyman, I treat like I treat Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Anything he says, I'm like, I'm going to wait for real confirmation from like a real source. Um, because those guys are wrong so often. John uh, Heyman is as, is as useful as any other person with a Twitter account. <laughs> you, you, It's like, okay... <laughs> I'm not going to name names here, but we do have a few people that follow us that I see occasionally tweet out Mariner news. Like they're the ones that are breaking the story. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like 40, 50 minutes late. Russell Hartness or whatever his name is. That clown that we've blocked now. Why anybody follows that dude? I don't know. Possibly. But (laughs) that's neither here nor there. We're just going to. There's just people out there <laughs> that do this, and uh, that's basically what John Heyman is. Mm-hmm. John Heyman is just a guy with a Twitter account. He's I'm... nothing special. I apparently he he's on MLB Network from time to time. MLB yeah, Network is a MLB Network is a joke. They employ Harold Reynolds in Mad cares? Dog Russo. Yeah, what do freaking do? Yeah! Wow. Um, I just yeah. Christ. Yeah. I it, mean, it, I, see, I that's a that's another thing. That's another thing that's wrong with baseball is that Major League Baseball itself, for their own network, employs people that have no idea what's going on in baseball. They actively hate baseball. Harold Reynolds hates baseball because, in Harold Reynolds' mind, baseball stopped should have stopped evolving in 1991. That's not how it works, dude. I just, but anyways, I hope there there needs to be there just there needs to be more emphasis on the changes in the game. I, I think that's you know people have lost interest uh, in baseball. There is a clear problem with that with with popularity in, in in America. The NBA and the NFL have taken over. Um, Major League Baseball is practically an afterthought to people that are not heavily invested in in it nowadays and that's unfortunate and i think a big part of it it's not pace of play or anything like that it's just how the no yeah it's not covered properly espn hardly ever talks about it and i wouldn't even want them to talk about it because i i I watched this video of stephen a smith and max kellerman trying to talk about the astros thing oh my god they're just (laughs) that was that that was like that was, uh, that was like going to uh, 
to like my parent uh, to like my mom and like my brother who doesn't know anything about baseball and being like here's this talk about this for 15 minutes right it's that was as valuable of a conversation as that would be it so either way though there needs to be an emphasis like with baseball tonight and the espn broadcast and mlb network etc more emphasis on the on the evolution of the game you know we shouldn't be using batting average and stuff like that and i'm not you know i i get that some people are are put off by the analytics and it's too in-depth for certain people that just you know they just want to watch the game and that's fine and that's fine but there needs to be a better job of of educating people and also putting the spotlight on more excuse me on more players you know because like mike trout is to me the michael jordan of baseball right and or maybe the LeBron James, if you want to consider like Babe Ruth to be the Michael Jordan, right? But the uh, Mike Trout, you don't see him in commercials, or you know, you don't see him like. I mean, God, I see Odell Beckham more on the TV than than Mike Trout. And Odell Beckham's like the fortieth, fiftieth best player in his league. Yeah. So, like, you know. <laughs> Like they need to market better. They need to spotlight more players, more teams. You know, baseball is interesting. Even I mean, like no one wants to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays, <laughs> and it's sad because the Rays are really fun. Mm-hmm. They're a really fun team, and they've built their team the like better than anyone. You know, and they, and you know, obviously, you know, it's a it's a small market, so they still may not be able to overcome big spenders like New York, you know, but they're doing their best and they're doing a really damn good job. You know, and, and that's the thing is that no one's really educated about baseball aside from like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox yeah. and that, and the Astros. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like, like the Braves became good and people were like, well, how did this happen? Well, it's simple. They built from within and then supplemented the rest of their roster through free agency and trades. Yep. But no one, like, that's another thing. And that's what I was talking about earlier was that no one cares about prospects or anything like that. And that's bad because that's a huge part of the game. And I get that it's not as fun or sexy as it is in the NBA and the NFL where these rookies are drafted and they immediately contribute. So it's harder and it's more time consuming, but still it's, these players come from somewhere right you know and i think that they should i think that that starts with by putting a bigger emphasis on the draft which is hard to do but i just baseball itself needs a a revolution in how they cover it they need a uh you know you don't have to do anything more than look at the hall of fame voting results to understand how old the people who cover the game are and those are the people whose job it is to try and bring in a younger audience also like how many people actually have mlb network because mlb network is one of those channels that you have to have a very special subscription package yeah yeah like it's not basic cable yeah like i just i I mean like like, nfl network is more accessible than that it's like hiring a major league baseball's 
Like, how do we get more 20 to 35 year olds interested in baseball? Like, let's go ask our seven year old grandpa. Like, why don't we get like, why don't we get MLB Network with MLB TV? Yep. Like, I would I would be so down to just have 24 seven baseball coverage available Mm -hmm. to me through MLB TV. That would be great. Now, they would have to change their whole model with MLB Network and their entire staff or most of it like brian kenny is cool but i mean the rest are just i can deal without like get rid of all of them there's a, for all I, mean, I care yeah there's a few good you know smart interesting people but yeah it just when you're building when you're literally like who's our stars Who? on mlb network oh i know mad dog russo and harold reynolds really who's the who's the one woman that um i I don't I forget even know what she that. did. I, I forget what she did, but she 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 ripped John Heyman on live TV for like oh, for uh, tweeting late or something. Like I think it was Nightingale or yeah, or yeah she, she ripped I, Bob Nightingale. Yeah, she was like, yeah, well, that comes from Bob Nightingale. So, so yeah, who, you know, whoever we'll she see. is, she's she's cool in my book. Yeah, <laughs> she's a hero. But yeah. anyways, we have gone way over time here. So, anyways, uh, I'll just say this before we sign out. When the Mariners make the playoffs, I hope they invite John Heyman. I hope they give him a seat right behind home plate. Give him a Mariners hat and then a pennant and let him wave it. Because that's what you do to people who are your enemies. You put them front row center and you make them watch your success. And so I hope that's what the Mariners do. And well, I think when the, Mar- when the Mariners make the playoffs, you'll be seeing me at T-Mobile Park with, that, with the plan tweet. The one that he sent to us directly. <laughs> Sponsored right on the right on the front. Yeah. I said we should really step up our merch game because Heyman's given us a lot of good ideas, um, yeah. and maybe we will. But anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the Soto Mojo podcast. Uh, make sure you visit us uh, visit our website sotomojo.com. Uh, that's where we write about all the Mariners news, rumors, updates as we get into game days. We'll occasionally do game recaps, although probably not every game because we're more focused on big picture things here. Um, but we'll do all that stuff at sotomojo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at sotomojofs. Uh, you can like us or like our page on Facebook. Um, just search sotomojo. And uh, you know, like I said, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. Ty, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off? Um, that's about it. Uh, John Heyman, Aaron Levine, Matt Calkins, the rest of you, go to hell. <laughs> all right, <laughs> so there we go. So. Uh, Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to this super long podcast. <coughs> we will be back next week um, with what I imagine will be a shorter podcast um, where we'll talk about uh, first base, I think is what we've decided. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about first base and uh, see what else the Mariners do that uh, might let us be interested uh, in talking about. But uh, less than two weeks till spring training, guys, uh, or till pitchers and catchers report. It's that time of year. It's getting exciting. Um, enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday if you, uh, if you watch football. Um, oh yeah! Quick prediction, prediction, prediction. Uh, I'll take the uh, Chiefs twenty-six twenty-one. Uh, no, I'm going with the Niners. I think yeah, that Chiefs defense, that Chiefs defense sucks, and I think the Niners defense is good enough to, like, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is fantastic, but right, but Jimmy Garoppolo sucks. I've seen many good offenses get utterly destroyed in the Super Bowl. So yep, it's true. So, yeah. I, I I don't know. Uh, I I I want the Chiefs to win, obviously, because 
cuss words to the Niners. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I, I I don't know. I'm gonna say Niners uh, twenty-eight twenty-four. All right, I think it's a good game. It's a good matchup. Um, I think you know the Niners' defense is their biggest weakness is specifically what the what the uh, Chiefs do well. Um, and I just I can't see Jimmy Garoppolo winning a Super Bowl unless they only ask him to throw it eight times. Then sure maybe, um, but but the more he throws, the less their chance of winning uh, becomes. So we'll see how it works out. But enjoy that. We'll probably we'll probably uh, talk some about some of the commercials next week. Um, I don't know how much we'll delve into the game in next week's podcast, but we'll definitely uh, have some fun time uh, talking about some commercials and Mariners first baseman. So make sure you guys subscribe so you don't miss that episode um next week so uh i think that's going to wrap it up for us here so once again uh visit sotomojo.com follow us on twitter at sotomojofs like our facebook page and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes this is colby patnode and i am signing out and i will see you in another life peace out peace